Hey friends, we're recording this teaching on Sunday morning between the 9 a.m. and the 11 a.m. gathering here at 112. It's very exciting that for the last few weeks, we're finally back together here at our home. And even uh, this week, starting this week, adults who are vaccinated uh, are mask optional uh, in the adult spaces. So anyway, that's exciting. I want you to know about that in case you've been wondering where we're at. Also, it might mean that you hear some strange ambient noises because people are here in the building and we're really happy about that, but it might bleed into the video or in the podcast app. Now, let me tell you a story. A few years ago, our staff team was on retreat at a Jesuit retreat house outside Chicago. And there was a moment on this retreat that really stood out to me. We were there with like 50 or 60 other church leaders from different places. And we were standing in a circle debriefing one of the practices that we had just worked through. And one of the people standing in that circle was sharing his experience and he was overcome with emotion. I mean, he was crying, but it, but it wasn't a negative emotion. It was a powerful sense of joy and reconnection that he was celebrating. And the reason he was feeling a sense of joy and reconnection is that we had just done a version of the Lord's Prayer where we used our bodies, where we moved through some motions in coordination with the prayer, rather than just using our words, our mouths, and our minds. And for this person, it was so meaningful because he has a speech impediment. And he spent like virtually his entire life in spaces of spiritual practice that treated prayer like something that's just for words and mouths and minds. And since with a speech impediment, those can be challenging and frustrating for him, it was empowering and liberating to let him welcome his body into the experience of prayer and to reconnect that. Now, we're doing a, a series called Psalms and Practices with a, a week teaching from the Psalms and then a week practicing the things that we observe in the Psalms. We're back to a teaching week, and I want to observe something uh, that, re that connects back to that story that I just told you. Uh, listen for some theme or thread in these excerpts from the Psalms. So Psalm 63.1 says, Oh God, you are my God, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Psalm 63.4, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. Psalm 28.2, Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help, as I lift up my hands toward your most holy place. Psalm 149.3, let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with timbrel and harp. And Psalm 95.6, come let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Now this is in some ways really simple and really obvious. It's a basic observation, but in other ways, if we take it seriously, it could be really important. The observation is just that for these people, these ancient writers in this community that prayed these prayers, they seem to assume that the body is a part of our spiritual practice, that the body is where we meet God. And I don't know about you, but I, I've been in a lot of spaces that sort of left the body behind when it came to spiritual practice. And we wanna do something about that this week and next. Now, before we talk about the body and spiritual practice, let's just talk about the body for a moment and our relationship with the flesh and blood that we, that we are. Uh, I don't know about you, but like, I've had a kind of conflicted relationship with my body. Growing up, uh, I, I was on one of those birth dates where I was either gonna be younger than most of the people in kindergarten or older than most of the people in kindergarten, depending on when I entered school. And I ended up being younger than most of the people. So I entered school younger than most, also like way smaller than most and skinnier than most, and just completely physically uncoordinated. And that much remains to this day. 
Like I've just never been very athletic or very coordinated. I got friends who, whose, whose kids are like that stage that I call like drunk toddler. You know what I mean? Like, they, like they're toddlers and they walk around kind of like they're drunk. They kind of waddle around, right? And some of these kids can throw a ball better than I can right now when I'm 38 years old. I wish I were joking. But you go back to elementary school and I'm younger than most and I'm smaller than most and I'm more insecure than most. And then I find out that like one of the ways that kids find some confidence is you know, physical play and activity on the playground. And I just, I don't get it. I'm not intuitive about it. I'm, I don't have an aptitude for it. And I think early on that set me in a weird relationship with my body and it incentivized me to try to live my whole life in my brain and sort of leave my body behind. Uh, maybe you could relate to that. Uh, not only did all that happen, but I also had done some work in early adulthood now to realize that there were some real traumas that were part of my childhood experience. And those traumas were a part of the body. And um, as I've tried to move into some healing work around that trauma, a lot of that work has had to be embodied. And this isn't just my experience. This is like the observation that people who are working on trauma. There's a, a researcher and a scientist named Bessel van der Kolk, who in the 1980s was on the, the front lines of what became the, the research around PTSD, what we call post-traumatic stress disorder. And Vandercook has written a book called The Body Keeps the Score. And the title kind of speaks for itself. And he's got all of this research and these decades of work discovering how it is that our bodies take on trauma, that our bodies carry our wounds with us, which means that healing has to involve the body too. In fact, in the book, Vandercook says that trauma victims cannot recover until they become familiar with and they befriend the sensations in their bodies. And I would think that spiritual practice is a place where we hope to find healing from wounds and traumas and life experiences. But if it's, if it's true that our bodies are part of the requirement for healing, then we need our spiritual practice to welcome the body, right? Now, the hard thing about this can be that Christian spaces aren't always great spaces when it comes to the body. And there's a few reasons for this, I think. Uh, one thing is we actually have some confusing scriptures in the New Testament. And I don't have time to like fully unpack this, but here's an example of what you might've read or heard, uh, for example, in the book of Romans, where a writer named Paul says, those who living according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. And he's saying that's bad. And then he says, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. And if you just read that or took it out of context, you would understandably think like this body, flesh and blood is bad and it's not the place where I'm gonna live my life with God, but the spirit seems to be this other thing. And maybe because we have texts like that, I don't know, but we have this legacy of bad, bad reads on the body. And sometimes in Christian spaces, that ends up meaning that like women are told, your body is a liability. Like your body is a problem or a temptation. And that like, men making mistakes is your fault, or men not making mistakes, but just doing awful things, like that's your fault because your body is the temptation. With men, sometimes I think we, we teach that your body is nothing more or nothing less than a tool for domination of the world around you. So like Christian spaces aren't always great for our relationship with the body, right? Well, look, I don't have time to like do all the work on that text from Paul, but let me just tell you that when Paul talks about flesh and spirit, he's doing other things. Like for example, he's using the flesh in some of these texts as a, as a shorthand or an image for the life that we live when we try to do everything on our own and justify ourselves on our own and sustain ourselves on our own and climb the ladder toward God on our own. And spirit is the word for the kind of life that happens when we let go of that project and we open up and we fall into grace and trust that God wants to pour God's self through us 
just as we are. So I mean, that's one example of what Paul is doing with that kind of language. But the other point I would make about why Christian spaces ought to be great spaces for our life in the body is because of what's at the center of the Christian story. And at the center of the Christian story is the event of Jesus. And one of the gospel writers, John, describes that event like this when John says that God, who's ordered all things through all time, the Word, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. In other words, God has chosen to live God's life in a body. And so if there's any story that ought to celebrate the body and welcome the body into our encounter with God, it should be this story. If there's, if there's any space where, where you are invited to come home to your body and to know and celebrate your body, it ought to be Christian spaces. And so we wanna reclaim some of that next week with our practice. So let me tell you a little bit of what we're doing in person next week. When we gather, rather than a teaching gathering, it'll be a practice gathering. And we're gonna start with something called a, a body scan. Uh, it, it's simple. We're just gonna invite you to become fully present to your body and kind of move from head to toe and notice what you're carrying in your body. Because have you ever been moving through a day and not perhaps till the end of the day, or maybe the end of the week, have you discovered that you're carrying something? You realize there's a tension around your neck or in your back, or you've been walking sort of distorted to compensate for something that doesn't feel right in the body, but you didn't even notice it because it's so easy to not be present to our bodies, right? So, so we'll do a body scan. We'll do some breathing, just some deep, aware breathing. Uh, we're gonna do a heartbeat meditation where we're all gonna find our heartbeat on the neck or the wrist. And, and we're just gonna sort of reflect, contemplate, pray as you have physical contact with that little signal, that little sign that has been sustaining you your entire life. Uh, we're gonna do some posture work and look for postures that uh, perhaps say with your body what you are already saying with your heart or your mind. Like, like what is your relationship to God or love right now? Maybe you'll cross your arms and admit that you feel kind of closed off and defensive. Or maybe you'll open your arms uh, to express an openness that you feel, a trust that you feel. Or maybe it'll be a little bit of this, a little conflicted, like come close, no, don't, right? Uh, we'll do some posture work just to represent those things. And then we're gonna do the same Lord's Prayer that we did on that retreat those years ago when my friend in the circle was so moved by the reconnection he experienced with some simple motions. Now, when I tell you um, that like we're gonna gather and I'm gonna lead you through these things, I know you might have some anxiety. Sometimes in churches, like bodily expression is treated as a test of your devotion. Have you ever experienced that? I remember I was at a what I would call a high octane church in San Diego years ago. And I was there for the worship service and it was like loud and very moving and like very high volume and very high energy. But during the worship set, the pastor of the church, the leader, big, big dude, he walks up on stage and he interrupts the band and he actually starts kind of yelling, scolding those of us who were there to worship. And the reason he's mad is because we're singing a song about raising hands and none of us are raising our hands. And so he like yells at the band to stop and then he yells at us and he says, I count to three, I wanna see every hand up. And so we all kind of, we like raise our hands, like a hostage situation. We're all kind of scared of him. And then he like yells at the band and he wants them to sing the chorus again so that when we get to the part where we talk about raising our hands, we'll raise our hands. And the band looks kind of scared and kind of apologetic too, but they play the song and then we kind of raise our hands and he's not happy enough yet. So he has them stop again and he tells us again that we got to raise our hands and then we, we do it again. And I remember thinking to myself like, who needs this? Like who needs this room to have all the hands raised? Is it God or is it like the pastor? Right? 
I don't know, uh, but maybe you've been in an experience like that and, and somebody on a stage or behind a pulpit was sort of demanding that you do something with your body as a sign of your devotion. That is not the heart behind this practice, friends. Uh, really, it, this, this is an invitation into integration, which is a very different attitude for why we would do this, right? But let me make you a couple of promises about how we will approach these practices next week. First, our practice will be honoring to all different kinds of bodies and abilities. I hope you hear that. It'll be honoring to all different kinds of bodies and abilities. And secondly, as with all of our practices, there's absolutely no judgment for those who choose to opt out or who choose to participate in ways that aren't obvious to the rest of us. So I hope, I hope you can um, look forward to this time of practice knowing that it will be a, uh, a very safe and generous space. Now, I talked to you a little bit about my relationship with my body growing up and how it was largely a sort of disembodied, disconnected feeling that I had. But I've realized that there's one exception to that, one thread woven through my entire life where I felt deeply embodied and where my experience of God was deeply embodied. And the place I'm talking about, the thread, is actually playing music, specifically playing piano, playing keyboards. I spent a lot of my life as a musician, played in churches and played in bands and done some touring and been in studios. And um, but the, the piano is like a, a, a place where I've always felt really integrated with myself and with God. And it's, what's funny is until this week, and reflecting on this theme, until this week, I would have told you that my entire understanding of that, my entire explanation for it, is that music is a very sacred and special way of meeting God. And I still actually believe that. I think that's a huge part of why I experienced that. But this week it dawned on me that there might be something else going on there which is that though I, I work, went through most of my life rather unaware of my body and disconnected from my body, sitting at a piano has always been a place where I feel my body from head to toe, and I love that I get to live my life in my body because it's my body that makes it possible to play that instrument. And when I play the piano, it tends to be a pretty full body thing. I like to get up on my feet a little bit and kind of stand over the keyboard and I can breathe with the piano and I can feel not just in my fingers, but in my back and my legs, a connection to the music. And it, it just dawned on me this week that maybe one of the reasons that is a place where I have always felt a deep and holistic connection and integration is because it's one of the few places where I have been deeply at home in my body. So we're gonna use our bodies in practice next week. Uh, the other reason for us to do it is not just that it's in the text, but because COVID has been brutal on our bodies, hasn't it? I mean, not just the actual disease, although COVID is brutal on bodies, but I mean the stress, the isolation, I talked to a friend who lives alone, and he told me that for 13 months, because he was being really disciplined about his COVID protocol, for 13 months, he didn't have a single hug. That is brutal on the body. Others have just been managing so much chaos at the home or in the workplace or um, dealing with other kinds of stress or fear around COVID, and the body has been carrying these things. COVID has been hard on the body, and this is another reason for us to welcome our bodies into our practice next week, because that might be a place where we're looking for some healing. So, um, on the way, by the way, if you want to do some prep work for our practice, two questions that you could ask yourself this week. Maybe you want to think about them, maybe you want to journal about them. One is, when you think about your past experiences of God, is your body a part of those memories? The other question is similar. When you think about your past experiences of love, is your body a part of those memories? 
Uh, if you want, spend some time with those questions and that'll set us up for our practice next week. I'm looking forward to it and hopefully we'll see you here at 112. But if not, we'll give you some ways to do some of these practices at home. And in the meantime, may grace and peace be with you.